before I was in ministry, I was in sales. Do you have any salesmen, saleswomen in the... So some of you are involved in sales. I actually loved it, and I was, I was decent at it. Uh, after college, after my, you know, I did the museum thing, and then I wanted to make money. And then I got into to corporate computer sales in Seattle. I was good at it. I loved it. Um, I didn't even know much about computers. I, just, I could just sell them. And... Um, If you're in sales, you know that you have to promote and push certain products, and depending on how the business is structured, uh, you get commissions, sometimes based off of margin, like how much the company paid for it how, versus how much they sell for it, and then there's a margin, and you get a percentage of that margin, and that's, that's like how you actually make the real money. You might get paid minimum wage, but then they tack on all of these bonuses of, of your commissions. And I loved that. that. That was a motivation for me. Like, I was, I was driven just to make a little bit more, right? And I just, I just like, you know, at that time in my life, I soaked it up. And then the company, we had a sales meeting, and the company started pushing this product. Like, we're, we want you to sell these computers. They were terrible computers. And I wasn't even a tech guy, but I knew that they were junky computers. I knew that they were horrible. And they're like, in this sales meeting, he's like, like, here's the flyer. Here's the thing. You guys have to push these. I'm like, okay, what's our job? We're supposed to push these things. Okay, we'll push these things. And we're looking at the margin. Hey, guess what the margin was? Zero. Okay, so there was, that was, literally, there was zero margin, but they, wanted to, they were going to dump these things on the market because they were terrible, and so they were just blowing them out, and they wanted us to blow them out, and everybody was hemming and hawing, but they, they weren't taking it. It's like, no, you're going to sell these things, and you're going to like it, and it, it, was, it was brutal, and, um, and to make matters worse, they did this huge campaign where they put these flashy flyers everywhere, and they just, they just flooded the advertising market with these horrible computers, and then the phones started ringing constantly, and all day long, I'm selling these cheap computers and not making a dime. Like, I knew that they weren't going to last long. I knew that they were shallow computers. I know that they didn't have the power to you know, to do what people really wanted, but they wanted the cheap thing. They wanted the, you know, they wanted the quick hit. This is one time um, I should have gotten fired. But in my pride, I would not allow them to fire me. I just quit. <laughs> but... <laughs> I put something really horrible about these computers on a packing slip. Like, I sold a whole bunch of them, like 10 of them. It took me all day to do it to one, to one, one you know, vendor. And, and I put something really horrible on the packing slip, not thinking that the customer would see it. The customer saw it, and I got called into the office. I'm like, well, you can't tell me what to do. I quit. So that was my... That was my um, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't sell something that... I just had a hard time selling something that cheap. Years later, in another sales position. God, this one's a tough one to talk about. I don't want to get in trouble. I was selling a family product, okay? We'll just leave it at that. I was selling a family product. And then I get called into another sales meeting. And this sales meeting said, okay, you're going to you need to sell this product, and here's your strategy. So they were actually giving me a sales strategy. He says, if they can't afford it, then you push over a credit card application form. And if they, if they give you a little bit of pushback, then you, then you, I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating on this. That's why I don't want to say what industry this was or what, whatever. Um, and if they, if they resist you on applying for a credit card for going into debt, then you would respond by saying, well, if you really valued your family, if you really loved them, then, then you would fill out this application that you would go into debt. 
Now, all right, I will. Look, look, this is, I mean, I am currently a part of this industry, if you will, but that's the, the memorial business. You know, I do a lot of, we do a lot of memorials. We have one coming up with Tess Batten. Most of you don't know who Tess Batten is. I, I find myself saying this a lot lately, but if it wasn't for Tess Batten, none of us would be sitting here today. <laughs> so uh, most of you probably don't even know who she, she is. She, she died at like 93 or 94. She was a saint of this church, and, and she held it together for a very... 99? Oh, my gosh. She should have held on a little longer. <laughs> and so I understand the sensitivities of being... Uh, dealing with mourning people, but we know that if you've had to, if you've had to bury a loved one, um, there's salesmen that will upsell you on the fancier casket, and then they'll play, they'll they'll push on your emotions and they'll play the guilt card on you. That's I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right, honestly. But that's me. I mean, if you want to buy Grandma a Cadillac of a of a coffin, you know, that's, that's awesome. If you can't afford it, and if you're being pressured into it, that's something different. That's abuse. Okay. We all right? All right. Okay, so put, that, put those stories, like, put a pen in that, because I'm going to come back around to it at the end. Yeah? Today's topic are... We're on the topic of wisdom. That's a sermon series. And today, I'm going to give you four signs of deception. Four signs that you know that you're being deceived or taken advantage of or buying into something that's not exactly true. And this is an area of what we call discernment. Um, discernment is just a fancy word for saying uh, what is right or what is wrong, what is of God and what is maybe of the enemy of God. Sometimes in this world, and I'd probably honestly now more than ever, uh, the deception levels are high. We're not quite sure what is black and what is white, white anymore. I mean, we, we believe that we know, but there's so much information, so much rhetoric, so many different groups, so many different denominations, so many different faiths, so many different political entities. It is confusing to say the least. You might be involved in a group that you like this aspect of what they believe, but this aspect you don't like it. There might be a political party where you're like, I'm all for this, but I wish they would change that. Yeah? And so it is so easy just to be sucked into certain situations, and this is why we have to be wise believers of Christ. Wide discernment is probably now more important than any other time in history. Last week, I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, listen to the message, watch the message on YouTube, because that one is on an attitude of discernment. So when you go into an environment or when you are dealing with people, you have to have the right attitude. If you walk into an environment and you're trying to discern if God is a part of this, if this is God's will, and, um, and if you're in a bad mood, if you're grumpy, if you are cynical, if you are judgy, if you are angry, if you're depressed, if you come in with prejudice, already prejudging an, a, a people or a situation, um, you will find what you're looking for. If you come into a situation thinking the worst of people, you're going to find the worst. If you come into an environment thinking that this is probably going to go south, uh, it, it will. In your, it, in your perception, it will go south. You will find something wrong. If you are looking for something wrong, you will find something wrong. And this applies to situations, and it applies to people, too. And so the proper attitude when you're trying to discern is vital. And that attitude is one of joy. If you are not in a, if you're not in a state of joy, and joy is a strange thing because, you know, back to the whole funeral thing, you can be crying your eyes out and still be joyful. 
you can be mourning and joyful at the same time. Like, that's a spiritual mystery. I don't understand it. I just know it's, it exists. I know if I experienced it. Don't, don't, don't try to get me to explain it, because I can't. I just know we, it's a truth. And so the same is true. Like, maybe you're, maybe you're, you're seeking God's wisdom. And the, the point of last message is, is that you need to do what David does, and you need to allow the Lord to be the lifter of your head in each and every situation and circumstance. So when you walk in, head up, shoulders back, looking for the best in people, looking for the best of a situation. And then if something is sideways, you will have the proper attitude to discern what that is. But it has to start from joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your beacon for wisdom. If you don't, if you go in with a cynical, judgy attitude, like, you just, well, you could be wrong, right? You could completely judge the situation wrong. You could judge the person wrong, right? Or maybe there's one little thing that they said that that's negative, and you're just, you're, just you're, you're like zoned in on that one thing, and you latch onto it like a pit bull. Every good thing that they said does not matter because they said one negative thing, right? So you could be fatally wrong if you come in and you're judging something from a bad attitude or a cynical spirit. You could be fatally wrong. You can be deceived. You can miss the boat. You can miss an opportunity. Best case scenario, 50-50, maybe you are right. Maybe you come in with a cynical attitude and you're right. Like, this person's a terrible person. I was right. God has vindicated my decision. I rolled the dice and I got it right. I must hear from God. Let's just say you're right. You're cynical and you're right. Good for you. God can't use you because you're cynical and nasty and grumpy. He can't use you to change the situation. He can't use you to be a change agent. He can't use you to, to breathe life into a dark situation. Do you see that? So if you're trying to discern from a cynical, angry, bitter, weird, grumpy, depressed attitude, it is a lose-lose every single time. Even if you get it right, it's still a lose-lose. So the whole point of last message is like, let's just be, let's just let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Let's begin to think the best of people and the best of circumstances. And then God can use us. Now today... Okay, well, let's just put on the mind of Christ, right? The most positive thinking person in the universe is Jesus. Like, we need to have the mind of Christ. Um, I, love, I love how the Word of God describes this. You have to put it on. It's, it's, you, have to, you have to put on the coat of righteousness. You have to, you have to put on the mantle of grace. You have to, you have to you know, in, <laughs> plug in the mind of Christ, you have, to, you, have to, you have to receive it and take it on and, and become the character of Christ. And I believe that once we have done that, then we will be able to recognize and see some warning signs. And we will be able to respond appropriately to warning signs. So I'm going to give you four warning signs of unhealthy toxic situations or people and how you can recognize them and how you can apply them. The good news is you have notes in your bulletin today because I am, um, like, this is something I want to I teach into. I don't have one specific speaking style or preaching style. Sometimes I'm teaching, sometimes I'm preaching. Sometimes I want to inspire, and sometimes I want to instruct. Today's an instructive day, okay? So that's why you have notes, because I think this is really important. These are really important tools and principles, biblical tools, biblical principles that will help you to avoid bad situations and to recognize it. 
Sometimes you feel like something's not quite right, but like this, these scriptural passages will help you to, to have a firm foundation. We are in exciting times. Like, yes, we need to be the most discerning Christians the world has ever seen. But these are very exciting times. Like, God is on the move all over the place. From college campuses to the silver screen to local churches. Like, God is on the move. It is an exciting time to experience the power of God. You don't want to miss it. I want to even encourage you. If you have a friend that you trust or if something catches your attention that you think that God is in it, like, a, like you know, let's just say hypothetically we get a revival movement that happened in Asbury, but it's only 15 miles away. Should you go? You should. Yeah, <laughs> like you should. Like, I want you to experience the power of God in other environments besides this box. It's a pretty cool-looking box, but God's bigger than this box. So I want to encourage you to grow spiritually by exposing yourself to other movements that might be taking on, that might be taking place. But at the same time, I want you to be wise in doing so. And, I, and I, I really do believe I've got something to say about this because I grew up in a revival culture. I, as a child, I saw the Spirit of God pour out upon flesh that just rocked your world. Like you just didn't, like things changed instantly and, and bodies were healed instantly. You just couldn't quite figure out what was going on, but you know the power of God was there. You could feel it, you could sense it, you could see it. You, at times you could smell it. It is my desire that every single one of you have a powerful experience with God, a, a spiritual moment. Now, they're amazing, but it's just one part of your walk with Christ. It's just one aspect. It's one, one expression of his love. And I do believe right now he is loving his people. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but he's loving his people. So let's just say you get invited into another meeting by a family member. I want to, like, pray about it, ask God, do you go? I, like, I, I think that we should. But here's what I, here, here's the, the warning signs, okay? These are... These are discernment issues. This will apply to the current situation of God moving now. This applies to uh, if you ever find yourself shopping for a new church. I'm not your first pastor. I won't be your last. And so you need to have this information whenever you're, you know, moved to Texas or Idaho or something like that. You've got to find a new church. Like you need this and you need this, you need this stuff. But it also applies to your interpersonal relationships, too, okay? So you're going to take something away today. It applies to every aspect of your life. So the first warning sign. So get your bulletins out. And you have a fill-in in everything. The first warning sign of deception is you have to be aware of situations, groups, and individuals who want to demonstrate behavior control. So write behavior down. Behavior control. Behavior control are groups that, look, I'll, I'll, I'll be, we have to see this from extremes. Like, I want my child to behave. Amen? Amen. Like, so I am practicing some form of behavior control with my child. Like we expect everyone to come into church and to behave themselves, 
to act civilized. You, you, you can't demonstrate certain types of behavior in a, in a corporate setting. It would be inappropriate if everybody came in with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Like, that would be bad behavior. And then we would have to enforce some behavior control. So does that make sense? Okay. Now, to the extreme, well, it's just, it's just deadly. It's, it's cult-ish. So think about, think about your stereotypical cult. The stereotypical cults, not only do they want to uh, implement some form of conformity, they want, they, want to, they want to control you. They want to dictate how you look, how you dress, what you spend your money on, when you show up, how much time you're showing up, how much you are giving. Like, they want control over every aspect of your life. This is the traditional cult. Um, think about the Hare Krishnas, right? They want, they want to control even the way that you look, and they're going to shave your head so that you fit into conformity. Behavior control, in my opinion, is obviously a scary, scary situation to be in. It, uh, it discourages individualism. I'm actually grateful that you guys all dressed a little differently. Especially Mark. Mark is displaying some individual identity here as a happy leprechaun. I think God loves us to express our own individual nature. But group control, group think, suppresses that. Doesn't want people to express themselves as individuals, wants to take that away. We have, we obviously, we have some rules in church. But behavior control enforces a very strict set of regulations. They literally print out the rule book and they make you sign it to make sure that you've read it. We have rules, but we don't, inside of Granite Creek, we don't govern and we don't lead from the point of rules. What, what, do, we, what do we govern and lead from? Love and relationship. Maybe some of you do have rule books for your kids, but most of us uh, try to correct and, and instruct our kids relationally, yeah? So maybe you probably have some rules on your refrigerator. I don't know. But relationship is, is vitally important because it's, it's just, it's actually harder than the rule book. Do you know that? Re, re, like, trying to lead relationally and influence relationally is harder than having a rule book because it requires more of an emotional and spiritual input. I want to show you an ex extreme of this that has gone too far. All right, let's put up that, fo that first picture. You guys know who these people are? This is the Westboro Baptist folks. In their mind, from their perspective, they have followed the rules to a T. There is no room for interpretation. There is no room for insight. They have taken things to a far and abusive extreme to where they, they make signs that says God hates you and God hates America and uh, the only good soldier is a dead soldier. They say some of the most horrible things in public spaces. But in their mind, they're completely... Okay, let's just get that off. <laughs> I was making everybody... I can see your faces. You guys are all grimacing. They are not leading from a place of love. They don't even love themselves. And this is a very strong push towards behavior control. If they don't pick it like that, if they don't respond in that behavior, then they're, then they're sinning. Then they are, they are not falling under the proper authority. 
again, I won't, probably won't be most of your, you know, your last pastor. If I am, it's an honor. Just be wary of leaders that enforce their authority. That say, you have to, you have to do it my way. Uh, one, one sign that you just might be in a cult is if the leader is the end all and if you cannot be questioned. If you, ha- you have to do exactly what he says, or she, I'm sure there's some female cults out there somewhere, I don't know. But you have to be wary of, of an authoritarian leadership style. Okay, let me put this into practical terms. Could you imagine being in a personal relationship with somebody, maybe a marriage relationship or a work situation, maybe you are in an, involved in a relationship like this where there is a strong authoritarian spirit and vibe, where you are constantly walking on eggshells, no matter what you do or how you do it, you cannot live up to the expectation of the leader, of the spouse, of the boss, of the parent. You see where I'm going with this? It doesn't just apply to cults. It it applies to personal relationships too. If you are putting unrealistic demands upon your children, placing expectations upon them that they will never be able to reach, and you continue to make them feel guilty and shame because of it, then you're just cultish. You're not being a parent. And I know that that's not most of us here, but we can see it. If you're putting expectations, and if you're trying to manipulate and control your spouse through fear, through guilt manipulation, well, you're, you're not a good spouse. You're just a little cultish. And the good news is, is that God can redeem every situation in every relationship. And one of the things that I do want to highlight is that, like, let me just push it back into the spiritual dimension and going to spiritual meetings. If you go into a spiritual meeting and maybe they're, maybe you can be like, these guys are a little bit, like they're trying to sign me up and make me sign this email thing. And, you know, they want me to fill out a connection card. <laughs> uh, right? Uh, I know. You get ice cream. That's right. That's amen. Give the meeting a little bit of grace. Maybe they're a little pushy. Maybe they're being some bad salespeople, right? Just give them a little grace. It doesn't mean, just because they're control freaks doesn't mean that they're a cult. They just might be a little cultish, okay? But regardless, don't put up with cultish. Second point. Oh, let me read some scripture. This is so awesome. 2 Corinthians. Okay, so Paul. Like all of this is based off of, of Paul's teachings, by the way. On almost every epistle, he's dealing with this type of stuff. Paul, for those of you that don't know, he was the Jew of all Jews. He, w- he learned under the best rabbi Israel's probably ever seen. He, had, he was a lawyer. He had a very rational, reasoning mind. He understood the law. He understood the rules inside and out. He could, he could recite the whole Torah word for word without even reading it. He was, with, with the exception of Jesus, he is the most influential Christian that's ever lived. And he's dealing with a lot of the same things that we deal with whenever there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because he's trying to minister and manage in the context of an explosion of faith. And some faith people were getting it wrong, and some faith people were getting it right. 2 Corinthians 11.20 says, In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you, or exploits you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or, slapped, or even slaps you in the face. So here's the danger. Like, 
I'm this way, you're this way, we're all this way. We want, some of us want to be told what to do. We're, we're so lost, we're so confused, we need good leadership, right? Would you agree? We need good leadership in our government, we need good leadership in our churches, we need good leadership at home. Like, we're so hungry for healthy leadership. And when we find somebody, or we find a situation that seems like it has all the answers... What does Paul say? You will even put up with anyone who enslaves you. He's, he's not talking about the Romans. He, you will put up with anyone who exploits you or takes advantage of you. He's not talking about the Pharisees. He's not talking about the Greeks. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about church folk. And so don't allow any spiritual leader to take advantage of you. Don't allow any guru to enslave you, make you feel guilty, or keep you trapped, or specifically saying that their way is the only way. Here's some helpful language if you're in Christendom, Christianese. If you ever hear a Christian say, well, we're real Christians, and, and well, and they're not. We're the born-again ones, and all well, those people over there, they're not. Like, just, like, your discernment should be kicking on right then. If anybody ever says that we're real Christians, your discernment should be kicking on. Well, that group over there, they're deceived. Well, are they? Why? Let me hear more. Like, you have to, your, your discernment should kick on. Like, there's, we have brothers and sisters that have already deemed us to hell because we worship with a guitar this morning. I'm not exaggerating. This is the way that we express ourselves in worship. Very large denominations uh, consider that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which there is no forgiveness for. So, yeah, there's somebody out there that thinks that you blasphemy against the Holy Spirit today and you're just destined to hell. Good luck. That's That's abusive. It's not right. Okay, anyway, I I probably go on on that a little bit more. Proverbs 14.8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. So you have to think about your behavior. So prudent, wise people, they're thinking about their behavior. I want to put this into your mind for a second. Think about your behavior. Is it godly behavior? Is it fleshly behavior? Sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes you think that you're being spiritual when in fact you're just being carnal. There is such a thing as carnal Christians or carnal spirituality. That is where we will use spiritual principles to control and manipulate people. You guys okay? Okay. The, the, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. How do you know if you're being deceived? It's hard because deception is so deceptive. Proverbs 6.16. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, and feet that rush to evil, and a false witness who pours out lies, and a person that stirs up conflict in the community. Like that last verse, verse 19, that's for church folk right there. That's, again, it's not bashing Romans, it's not bashing pagans. Like, this is addressing family. A false witness that pours out lies and a person that stirs up conflict in the community. So that's one thing. All right, second fill-in of deception that we need to be aware of, and that's information control. So, um, inside of groups, inside of cults, inside of churches, there is a narrative. And the people that control the narrative are the ones that have control. So we have to be careful about the information and, like, who is controlling the information? And is there a tight control on the information? Specifically, if I have secret information about the Word of God that only I know, 
So Paul was dealing with this directly with the Corinthians and others. Like there were groups of believers that would say, hey, come to our meeting. But if you want the real information, then you have to come to our secret meeting. People that position themselves to say, I have secret knowledge. I have secret truth. The, the reason why I am so enlightened is because I have this. And okay, here's, the, here's the kicker right here. And if you want it, you have to come to me to get it. Information control. All right, what's the problem with that? Where do you have to go for wisdom and knowledge? Do you have to go to Pastor Josh? It's all right here. All the information that you need is right here in the good book. Um. Okay, so yeah, like I don't, I don't want you to rebel against authority, right? Because uh, rebellion is the, the sin of witchcraft. So I don't want you guys rebelling against me. But should you question what I say? You should. You have permission to do so. I have a wastebasket over here that I file complaints in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But look, I don't like it. I don't, I, I don't like criticism. I don't even like constructive feedback, but I have to receive it, and so do you. And so you have to receive it, too. It's easy to get defensive. It's easy to, to get... Uh, I said a bad word last week. I might as well say one this week. It's easy to get butt hurt. <laughs> so easy. But you need healthy, constructive feedback. Seek feedback and get rid of criticism, because criticism will never help. It will always harm. But feedback is good for you. It's the iron sharpens iron aspect of it. So be wary of people that say, I got the truth. I mean, they might. But the very fact that they are saying that they have the truth and you have to go to them to receive it, you have to, you know, go to their conference or join their Zoom group or, you know, whatever, you know, to be enlightened. Look, be a part of the body of Christ. Be held accountable to believers. Study his word. Get conversational with Jesus in your prayers. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to highlight things that he, where he wants to move you. Like that's the only information that you need with the exception of that you have a loving Heavenly Father that wants the best for you. Another form of information control is, all right, there's a couple of bad ones. There's a couple of bad attitudes and bad behaviors that we all need to be aware of as Christians, including me. Um, one is trying to control people. The abuse of authority is like the sin of witchcraft, okay? That's the word of God says. And the other side of the coin that is on par, this one's tough. Like this one's gonna, this one's tough. He gives a, in Galatians, let me read it real quick. If I can find it. I think I have to paraphrase. I'm sorry. All right, forget it. But you know the scripture. The sins that the Lord abhors, the, the, the things that, that bring in destruction, are idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, dissension, Lies, confusion, and then he tops it off with gossip. So gossip is another form of witchcraft. He puts gossip and sorcery in the same category. Why? Because gossip deals with the area of information control. 
And that's all that witchcraft is and tarot cards and all that stuff. Like, you shouldn't be messing around with any version of anything that smells like the occult. Even if it has a Christian veneer over it. I don't have time to get into why I just said that, but. And gossip is in the same category because it controls information. I've got secret information about so-and-so, right? We have a rule at Granite Creek. How do you know if you're gossiping? Well, you have to ask yourself, I'm talking about so-and-so. Am I a, part of, am I a direct part of this problem or am I a direct part of the solution? And if you're not, then you're gossiping, and it's bad. Like, he, he puts it in the same category as debauchery and all the bad things. All right, I'm running out of time here. You guys okay? Okay, information control, just real, real quick. It uh, says that there is no special revelation. You, well, okay, information control says that there's special revelation. The opposite of that, there is no special revelation. We have the full revelation here in the Bible. Okay? All right, number three. Thought control. Communities or people that want to control the way that you think. So, yeah, I mean, I want my daughter to think a, a certain way, right? I want to make sure that I'm, I'm being a good parent. But I, 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 it's, it's illegal for me to force her to think a certain way. Colossians 2.8 says, See that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the elemental forces of this world rather than Christ. So this is an easy one to fall into is thought control because, um, it, well, it's, it's, so, it's so seeped into our culture. It's so, it even, I mean, some of, it's, some of it can apply, some of it is scriptural, but then, of course, we as humans take things too far, but the whole, you know, self-realization, new age trend is a big problem. It's not, it's not scriptural. The whole, uh, you guys familiar with the secret it's the law of attraction. So the law of attraction, the secret, is New Age mysticism um, that says, if I completely focus my mind on being awesome, then I will be awesome. So part of that is a scriptural truth, right? But the problem that gets, it gets taken way too far and saying, I can envision myself in a $5 million mansion, and then you, you make a vision board, the people do this. You make a vision board of the mansion that you want, and you continue to visualize that. And the more that you visualize it, then eventually it's going to manifest. If we are constantly thinking about things that we want to manifest rather than thinking about or thinking with the mind of Christ, you will deceive yourself because it's a form of thought control. Romans 16, 18, for such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. All right, so we have to be wary of smooth talk, uh, being around individuals or groups that are telling you exactly what you want to hear so that you will feel good. They give you a version of truth, but they don't give you the whole package. Look, I'll be honest. Like, I'll, I want you guys all to do well. It is my prayer that you are all successful. It is my desire that you all break free from the bondage of financial hardships. It is my desire that you all break free from relational dysfunctions. It is my desire that your health you, that you are the healthiest version of yourself. I could preach that message all day long, every day, every Sunday. I want to encourage you to be better. But what would happen if I forgot to talk about repentance? Um, 
a revival, a renewal of an outpouring of, a, of, a, of the Spirit that does not involve repentance of sins, it's a counterfeit. We always need to make room for the confession of our sin, repentance, turning away from our, our, our evil thoughts and turning towards Christ. Does that make sense? All right. On that note, we have to be wary. Point number four. We have to be wary of, ready for this one? Emotional control. All right? Emotional control. Um, it's easy to influence people by emotion. It's super easy. You know, back to the Romans 16:8 thing. You have to be wary of smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the minds of men. So you have to be careful of people that are, that are talking smooth and that are flattering people. Uh, I, gotta, I wish I could spend more time on this, but I can't. The first part, you know, we talked about behavior control. We talked about people that are, that are subject uh, to the rules and the regulations. There's a legalistic mindset. There's a grinding down of things. There's a heavy hand. There is a stripping away of freedom, right? That's behavior control. That's a very dark, again, you head in that direction and you're going to be picketing with Westboro Baptist. That's the extreme. Emotional control is the other end of the spectrum. So that is the smooth talkers. That's the flim-flam man. That's the, that's the shiny object. That's, they're here to, 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 to capture you with, with smoke and mirrors. I do have a picture of that. Let's put this one up. Maybe. There he is. Okay, Steve Martin. You guys remember this movie? Uh, what's it called? Leap of Faith, yes. I mean, Christian leaders... Okay, we can take him down now. Christian leaders got so extreme with the prosperity gospel and not talking about repentance, putting on shiny suits, and working people over emotionally. Super easy to do. I think we're all smart people and we're like, yeah, I don't think that would be me, Pastor Josh. Okay, maybe so. Good. Like, I would never go to a church like that. I would never go to a meeting like that. Okay, good. But what about your interpersonal relationships? Married couples, when they influence each other, there's two ways that they do it. They're either influenced by fact or they're influenced with emotion. For example, like rationally, I know as a father and a spouse that it is a healthy thing to go on vacation, right? Everybody needs to go on vacation. You need to take some time off. You need to unplug. You need to refresh. You need to connect with your family. So I can make a very powerful, reasonable, rational, logical argument for taking vacation. And then I can say, Mako, look, we haven't had a vacation in a couple of years. Uh, you don't like me anymore. I don't like you anymore. We need to reconnect. Uh, the craziness of life is just too much. We need to spend some time together, and we need to do some family time, right? I can, and I, can, I got all the great reasons for it. I am influencing her with reason and logic. I'm not saying this is our family, but this is just illustration. So let's just say that Mako is trying to influence me to go on vacation. She's going to say, wouldn't it be amazing and magical if we, could, if we could go to Disneyland? It would be so enlightening and exciting. I would be so happy and full of joy if we could just go to the happiest place on the earth. So she's, she is, uh, she's motivating me by emotion, right? Now, the truth is, there is no right way to do it. It also applies to church. Like, we've got to get emotional about things. It is okay to respond to the presence of God with some emotion. Because if you don't, then you're just a zombie, right? You're just like, like he's just, like, if there's no response, if there's no emotional connection to God, then it's, well, I'm not quite sure what it is. But if you're not moved in prayer, then maybe God's not moved in prayer. 
So both make sense. I just heard this in the news this week. There was some guy that went to Disneyland 325 days straight. Was that, that the number? 3,000? What? Okay. So some guy went to Disney. I, my, I, I, that's mind-boggling. 3,000 days plus in a row? That is, an, that is an unhealthy emotional decision, just so you know. That is an unhealthy emotional decision. Any emotional decision that uh, pushes you into a place that is unhealthy, that is toxic, that will put you into debt, that's unresponsible, that will get you fired, that's an emotional decision that you do not need to be making. If you find yourself in a revival or a church meeting and it is nonstop emotional roller coaster ride, you're being deceived. If that's all that there is, if there's just a steady diet of emotionalism, if, if the only thing that, like, like if, when, when, you're, when you're convicted of your sins, you should cry. When God heals your body, you should be filled with joy. When you feel the presence of the Lord and it's so thick and you should be a little scared. You know, that, like, that's appropriate. But if that's all that there is, if there's this, if we're just working each other up in an emotion every single meeting, and if, if, there is no, if there's no this, if there's no accountability, look, I, I actually know what I'm talking about here, folks. I've been around a long time. We have, we have definitions for it for people that just jump from one revival meeting to another. They just hop from one spiritual experience to another. There's no accountability in their life. There's no home group in their life. They don't even know the word of God. All they want is this spiritual high, this spiritual connection. They think that that's spiritual growth, but it's not. It's just one aspect of it. All right, Ephesians 4, 14. This is the Phillips, it's a paraphrase translation. I'm not going to go to hell for reading this. It was a joke. <laughs> Shouldn't, paraphrases are not the best, but if it communicates, I think it's okay. We are not meant to remain as children of the mercy of every chance of wind, of teaching, and the jockeying of men who are expert in the craft of lies. But we are meant to hold firm to the truth in love and to grow up in every way in Christ the head. For it is from the head that the whole body as a harmonious structure knit together by the joints with, its, with which is provided grows by the proper functioning of individual parts in the full maturity of Christ. Okay. So what Paul is saying is don't be tossed back and forth by the latest phase, latest craze. If you're not knitting yourself together as a part of a community in the body of Christ, then you're just deceiving yourselves. Second Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, right? So we get this. Like, again, you can't, if you're in a fearful spirit, you can't discern well. So God does not give us that fearful spirit. But of power and of love and self-control. Other versions say a sound mind. Meaning that uh, if you want power and if you want love... You can't be all over the spectrum emotionally. You have to have a level of emotional intelligence. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. Right? So a fool is going to be like, blah! Right? This is how I feel. I hate your stinking guts. Right? 
but a wise man will hold back. There is power. The power of life and death reside within the tongue and the, the way that you express your emotions in a healthy way. There's power and life in that. Okay, let me put this emotional um, control into practical terms. Well, let me just go back to my marriage illustration. Young people who aren't married, marriage is more than just sex. There's more to marriage than that intimate moment. And relationships that are based primarily upon that intimate moment, they're not knit together relationally, emotionally, spiritually. They can't grow. If the only thing that your spouse wants is sex, how does that make you feel? If your spouse does not want a conversation, if your spouse does not want to sit down at the table, if your spouse does not want to go on adventures with you, if your spouse does not uh, want to have just, you know, go on vacations and have fun. Like, if your spouse doesn't want that, if all that they want is emotional intensity, is that healthy? Why is our relationship with the Lord any different? Like, he, he wants that emotional intimacy with you, yes. But he also wants to talk to you at the table, yes. When Paul, I wish I had more time to delve into this. When Paul is dealing with this, he's like, in Galatians, you can see his frustration. Now, actually, Galatians, he's dealing with the, the super legalistic people. Uh, in Corinthians, he's dealing with the people that, um, that, that started following Steve Martin with the shiny coat. In Galatia, he's, he's following the Westboro Baptist. He's like, what in the world's going on here? He says, uh, he says you, you, your, your, your scripture might say, uh, who has bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? The, the proper interpretation is that like, he's calling them some really bad words. Like he's using some very strong language when he's addressing the Galatians. He's like, why are you falling back into slavery? Don't do this anymore. Don't make them force you to conform and changing the way that you look. Don't listen to those people. And then here he's talking about what he calls the super apostles. He's on the other thing. He's like, don't be deceived by super apostles with their shiny coats. Don't, don't do that. Everything that you need is here. Everything that you have for growth is all locked up here. Like we've given you, he says, we've given you this word of God. We've given you the scripture. This is what you build your life on and what we've modeled with, with, our, with what, how we behaved. All right, so there we go. Those four things, behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. If any group or if any individual is working those on you, just be aware. Turn on your discernment. Say, God, how can I make the best of this? Or God, where do I need to not get sucked into this situation? And he'll show you. You will be wise. You will be discerning. But just make sure that you're balanced. Yeah? All right. Larry, the band, come on up to the front. Wisdom and discernment requires community. Knowing what the will of God is in each and every situation requires communion. 
communing and eating with the Lord. You have to be a part of this body or a body of Christ. You have to be able to bounce things off of each other. You have to be able to hold each other accountable. You need to do life together to the best of your ability. But you also need to be in communion with the Holy Spirit, conversational with Jesus, and submitted to our loving Heavenly Father. And this is how we do it. Let's receive the body of Christ for the, for the, the, the fulfillment, for the victory, for the provision, everything that we need. From intellectual growth to spiritual growth, everything that we need is, is locked up in the body of Christ. If you're hurting financially, if you're hurting physically, it's all right here. Commune with the body of Christ and see what that relationship looks like in addressing those needs. This will make you wise. This is wise food. Now, my message was all locked up into what to watch out for. Make sure that you're not deceived. My message was all locked up into don't let people control you. Yeah? Do you know that we all have done this? So we're just going to ask the Lord for forgiveness right now when we have tried to control and manipulate people. Yeah? There is forgiveness in this cup. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he has much more for you than the identity of a sinner. He wants to see you as a saint. In fact, he does. He sees you as a child of God that has that mind of Christ, that walks in confidence, that knows where they are at and where they are going, that, that, can, that can read a room, that has healthy discernment, that walks up with their head up and their shoulders back. The blood of Christ washes away all of our sins and insecurities and fears. Receive the blood of Christ. Confess your sins to him right now. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and for trying to control. I have the ushers come to the front. Heavenly Father, we put our faith and our trust in you. God, may we become wiser, discerning believers in Christ. May we strengthen ourselves with the joy of the Lord. May we allow you to guide us and lead us into healthy situations and healthy relationships. May your kingdom be poured out upon this earth and may you move us in mighty ways. May there be true transformation in ourselves and in our culture. Thank you, Lord, for entrusting us with this beautiful little box. But may we take the kingdom of God outside of it maybe it be a powerful testimony to things to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness. God bless you as you give back to the Lord.
There we go. Let me send you off with a blessing. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters. Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Become wiser today than you were yesterday. And may the God of peace, God himself, sanctify you through and through. May your whole body, your emotions, your mind, may they be kept blameless until the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has called you into your ministry, into your healthy lifestyle, into power and into strength. The one who has called you to be wise, he will never leave you or forsake you, and he will see it through to the very end. That is his promise to you. Go with the blessing of the Lord today. You're going to have a powerful week.